Imagine a magnificent life where you can master anything you want to, where time is not a barrier. Struggles and challenges you face can be overcome. You can create ultimate control and access higher potential that brings joy and fulfillment in your life. To achieve this, we must first empty our mind to be open for new possibilities before we can launch into infinite heights. In the words of Zen master Shinryo Suzuki, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the expert's mind, there are few. Join me, the maestro Vincent Chang, as we uncover the secrets to going from zero to infinity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Zero to Infinity. It's the first episode. I'm so happy to share with you my journey uh, of life, of experiences, and a lot of concepts I've learned along the way. You know, you might ask, you know, why, why did I call this Zero to Infinity? Well, I've come to see certain patterns, especially in my own life, and as I help many others you know, going through what they call limitations or they're blocked or they're stuck with some past issues that they can't seem to put their finger on. And oftentimes when we get stuck, you know, we, we feel like we can't go on and, and then things start to build up. And so I call this the, the zero state, you know, that you know, maybe think back in your life. There are, there are times when, you know, we call this, you know, I, I hit rock bottom. Right, and these are times where we're not proud of, or we might not even want to share. But I, I want to be open with you, you know, during this journey, and, and to share those zero states that I've encountered, those rock bottoms, and as a result of those rock bottoms, it has completely changed my life and my life trajectory to just amazing new opportunities and possibilities. You know, just think of. One of them being, you know, I lost my my job. You know, I got got laid off as an engineer. Uh, I've been working there maybe seven years. I was electrical engineering for a computer chip company, and you know, nothing really quite pairs you for it. You know, you've seen others go through it, but your first time losing your job, it's like, you know, there's a shock that happens. You know, they lead you and they walk you into this closed room and there's a security guard there and there's an HR head there and your manager that you know for so long, you know, they're, they're sitting there and, and they're like, this is first thing in the morning. And I'm like, what's happening here? And as they sit you down, you know, you could just feel the thickness in the air and the tension and you know, you know what's going to happen. And they said, okay, it's time to give you a letter. And the security goes to your desk and you got to pack everything up. That feeling, like I'm just recalling it now. It's like, oh, it's a numbness. It's like, what's happening right now? And a lot of the times we, we go through stages of life like this. And, you know, it's no different than what we are experiencing now. We've, we've experienced it for two years, this you know, COVID, this pandemic, this all of these protocols and restrictions and life completely changed so many losses of what we were supposed to, what we could do, but now we can't do, you know, and here, you know, if the livelihood, you know, all of the, 
the the work, the hours, you know, the the testing, the customers, the clients, the colleagues, the networking, all of it's just like poof, and it doesn't hit you until you know you sit, you're at home, and you have this, you know, this banker box of all your belongings that you've set up at your work. You know, your workplace really becomes your second home. And we don't realize this enough that we spend more time working than we do even sleeping or even with our family or doing our leisure enjoyment activities. So it's no wonder there's so much attachment to our sense of identity and self to what we do, to our career. And this is where I realized a lot about myself that, you know, I am my job, you know, and if I'm not my job, what am I? Like if I lost my job, who do I become? Am I still an engineer? Am I still somebody who's, you know, can solve problems, can relate to people? It's amazing when you really deconstruct and explore the inner self with your vocation, your job, your your work. What does that really mean? So that was one of the turning points in my life. And I remember, I think I was just about to turn 30. And here I am, right about to hit one of the major milestones in life. You know, everybody says, you're 30, you know, celebrate. And here I have no more job. I have, like, how can I celebrate when I don't have a source of income? So everything just gets thrown into the air and you're in a complete rut. And that's where I was. And I'm like, what, what do I do now? I'm scrambling. They put you through this transition workshop with some this company that helps you transition, you get some severance, all of this is so new. And you're like, well, I, I can survive for maybe another eight months. That means what do I do? Do a resume? I haven't done a resume for for eight months and so eight years. And you're like, oh. there's a lot that happens. And you could say, I'm going back and describing what that zero state really is. You know, all of a sudden, what you had is completely just shattered and, and torn away. And now you're left naked, you're left stranded, you're left, you know, what, how can I recover from this? And emotionally, it gives you a, it just puts something in your heart that is just like, what, what do I do? And I felt a, a sense of failure. You know, I sense that. I've lost something precious of mine. And oftentimes we do that. And now, you know, this is this is many years ago. This is over 10 years ago that this happened. But without that happening, it would not have made me reevaluate where I was in life. And at the time, you know, yes, you know, I was, I'm an engineer, but even before that, I was exploring something that I t truly, truly enjoyed. And I, and I practically, I did it for free. You know, I loved it. And that was music. You know, I love playing the organ every weekend. I love improvising, you know, you know, playing those big pipes in the churches, you know, 
during those big feast days where you can play the Takata by Vidor as fast as you can and <laughs> just because you can. And it gave me a sense of joy to share that and also to lead you know, a group of people, you know, the choir and the congregation, to connect them. So that was my other side. And, and when I wasn't working, you know, at my nine to five, it wasn't nine to five, it was like nine to 11. A lot of the times I had to, you know, tend to customers overseas. So in Asia, so when they wake up, that's when I have to get on, which is 10 p.m., 11 p.m. sometimes. And the rest of the time I would spend, you know, playing the music, you know, going to rehearsals. And at a young age, I didn't really know what that meant. You know, like my parents put me through all these music classes, piano. And and to be honest, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, I played and I could play it well. I, I hardly ever practiced. I didn't like practicing. Like, I mean, what kind of kid likes practicing piano? And I feel like it was more like, just do it and do it. And it wasn't until, funny enough, you know, I, I got my, you know, those performance diplomas and we did competitions beyond competitions. We won all these things. And, and it wasn't until I started university as, got in as an engineer. Oh, I'm a prestigious university. And I'm the only one in my class who made it into that field in that university at Waterloo. What's this all about? You know, coming from an all boys school, and now you're in this vast environment of an all boys school, very, very, very tiny classes. And it was just 28 of us. That was only one class per grade, you know, and that was the St. Michael's Choir School. And so we go from this tiny little box to this vast, you know, and there are girls there too. And there's all these different types of people, big and all different races from all different countries and coming from all different backgrounds. And and then they put you in this fresh week and, and you hear, their, what is this all about? You know, and they initiate you, they, you get to meet people, they join the clubs and it was overwhelming. You know, it's, uh, I used to tell people, you, you go from being a caged animal and now you're being let free like a wild beast. You know, you have no idea what's happening. And it didn't take long. I, I was going to the classes and I was, I was doing really poorly. Like I wasn't concentrating because it was just so much stimulus, getting to know new people connecting to roots, connecting to friends. And so many people had their own cars. And it's like, I'm like, what? How, how do you get this money? Oh, my parents gave it to me. I'm like, I never thought that could be possible coming from, you know, uh, like we, we grew up here, we well off, but, you know, you just make ends meet, right? It's like when you buy a car, it's when you've worked, you know, like all a few years and, and you got the income, you got a nice job and then you pay for what you know. There's so many things that just bombarded me there. And it took me a long time to get used to it or even get accustomed to it. So I remember spending most of my time in that, that first term doing 
absolutely nothing except play video games and partying. That's the first time. Like, what is what is a party? And people different places, the clubs here, and people in their dorm rooms, and then there's a you know a, a school. No, what they call that a school bar, a school club, a dance club. There's just so many things. But to get back to it, I started to sort of second guess. I'm like, why? Why did I enter this? Why am I doing this? What is this? You know, engineering all about. And I realized that my motivation of going into it was not truly my own. And I want to share that, you know, in, in school, you go through these guidance counselors and or guidance you know, meetings, and they usually ask, you know, what is it that you're interested in? Or maybe they don't even, you know, they look at your marks and, oh, you, you scored the highest, you're near perfect on all the maths and sciences. So I think engineering or computer science is the best bet for you. You're set for it. It's going to be. And I had no idea what computer science or engineering was. It's all I knew that, oh, I had these marks. It's what I'm supposed to do, what I'm good at doing. And it's going to guarantee me a very stable and secure financial career as when I graduate. Okay, great. So I'm there and I'm taking these advanced calculus courses, circuits and physics and chemistry. And I'm like, none of this interests me. You know, I, then I started to feel like very disconnected. And funny enough, you know, I haven't done piano for many years since then, since I really stopped playing after you got those, you know, you finished the exams and diplomas. It was during my first year that I felt drawn back to, oh, they had a piano room up at the, in the village sort of residences. And they said, oh, you can, you can book the piano room. Hey, you know what? The next time I go back out to Toronto, I'm going to get my old piano books. There are some, some pieces I've always wanted to play. And I started to spend more and more time during the week, instead of going to class, playing the piano, practicing. And I, and I learned a piece that I've always wanted to play. And you might know that the Hungarian Rhapsody Number no. 2 by Franz Liszt. This is, you know, made popular by the, the Bugs Bunny, you know, episode. That's the that's the main part, but there's a whole section that builds up to it. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of, you know, and uh, I was, you know, I spent days in the piano room practicing and, and just loving it. And that's when something started to to click. You know, I looked forward to the weekends when I could play the organ or conduct the choir and, and lead that. And I started to think, wait, what's happening here? I don't know, something that I was told, you know, wait, well, maybe I, I always had this interest in music. I'm really good at music, but there's this, you know, you know this, and most people say, well, you can't make money as a musician. It's not a staple career. 
And I remember being told this, like, you can't be a musician with your type of lifestyle. You love things. You love all this, you know, high-end stuff. You, you know, your music won't pay for that. And so I thought, well, I guess I like my things. So maybe I'll just take the engineering and, and go for it. Well, a lot changes when, when you're really in it. And that's where this emotion, you know, and me, me as a psychotherapist now, we'll get to that and maybe in another episode, but this is just one small little section of, of my life that really created a turning point. And this is how one aspect that, you know, I sort of dismissed this music side became more and more into the forefront. Whereas what was told to me as a something that will really benefit you, more motivated towards financial gain or financial security. Well, you know, if I just did it for the money and I'm unhappy and I'm not connected with it, is that something I should be doing? And we don't question these things, right? It's, it's just like, oh, everybody's doing it and you're going to have a good life. But that's when I started to question, like, what is a good life? I might end up having a, a great job, but what if I don't like it? You know, what, I, don't, I don't like the subject. But yet, I'm here playing music and enjoying it with everyone and, and, and the depth of my heart's doing it for free, almost. What's that about? So a new dimension of life really came in at that point. And yeah, you know, fast forward, you know, I, another year and another two years, I got more and more involved in that music. And I joined another church and I began to conduct another choir and become the chorus master and, and started to arrange and compose and like so much creativity happened. Maybe that was what kept me sane. Maybe that was what helped me to, you know, do both at the same time. That balance you would call you could call the left brain right brain, right? The left being the nice logical the math and the and the step by step, you know, engineering, problem solving, physics, with the right, the creativity, the emotion, the passion, the love. Yeah. So here's where things get interesting. In halfway into my engineering studies, and, and it's so funny. When you take engineering there, you don't get a choice in any courses until I think it was the second term of second year or maybe, no, yeah, you don't even get it in the first term of the second year because you have to choose from the small list to get this trajectory to the specialty that you want to. And you're trying to plan this. It's It was absurd. So I didn't get to choose any courses. It was all just thrown on you. Okay advanced circuits and calculus and power systems and transformation and transformers. And I'm like, oh, when am I going to do something I like? So it was that second year that I got one elective. Finally, I can choose whatever I wanted. And the first course I chose was psychology. I wanted to understand why I behaved the way I did or why I was so withdrawn from people and why I was scared of the opposite sex, right? Because I was, you know, caged in a little place where 
I didn't know how to socialize. You know, it was just get the good marks, play those video games. And yeah, it felt felt so out of touch with so much of life. And I was curious. I'm like, why am I like this? Why is everyone over there, you know, in a group and they all can get together? And why are they all in relationships? And I'm, what, what does that even mean? Why can't I get people to like me? And so... I think by studying that, you know, understanding the psychology, the why, the human brain behavior and our emotions, that started to open up. And I remember loving that course. And so I couldn't wait till the next elective, which I think it was a year later. I took another psych course. And then the only course I can tell you that I learned anything from and I can relay back what I learned is my favorite of all time. It was in a, another college as part of the university. And it was called Soundtracks in Film. And, you know, as, as you get to know me and I'm going to talk about my life, you know, I love films. Like, I love them to death. Like, you know, after I graduated, I spent most of my paycheck buying DVDs and Blu-rays and I had a collection and A to Z, you know, that spanned the entire wall. I think there's just something about films that really portray the story, the drama that is in life, but more symbolized, more than a metaphor, and you can immerse yourself. It's a way to maybe escape some of the harsh realities of what I didn't enjoy and, and put myself there. And that's why that, and you can, you could hear this from brothers all the time, you know, they're, Oh, what movie did you watch? Ah, I watched this movie. <laughs> and they're like, well, how was it? I'm like, that was the best movie ever. And then they go and watch it and they tell me, and we're never listening to you again because that was the worst movie ever. So, so don't take my word for critics of, of a film because I just find a way to connect with it, you know? And maybe I'll have less than a handful of movies that I thought were yeah, okay, let's put them away and don't ever touch them ever again. But most of the time, I find something to, to enjoy. And learning about how music got integrated and how it is a vehicle to convey the depth of the story in the film, into the theater, into your hearts, into your soul. Music plays such a big part of it. And I became fascinated by it. And one of my dreams was to win an Oscar as a, well, I, one of two things uh, prior to, to engineering, I wanted to, I love films or I love video games too. So either I programmed a video game, I became a programmer for it, or I became a composer for video game music. And one of my, you know, inspirations, Nobuo Uematsu for the Final Fantasy series, you know, he really revolutionized how game music was written or even presented here he took full you know like you could call him the john williams of video game music he took those themes and those motifs and and orchestrated it into you know these little beat boop tracks and made it sound amazing so that's what i wanted to do and, and it gave me inspiration i listened I, I took that course and now i know you know, in Star Wars, you know, when the Death Star blows up, 
Well, it's the actual unedited ending of Mars from the planets of Gustav Holst. And they taught you that. And so you see, when you listen to my intro, and then the trailer, it's Gustav Holst's Jupiter. And, you know, John Williams really took a lot of themes and inspiration. We, we call them quoting. So that's a quote of this composer, and you add it here. And it's just very similar to how books and authors would quote other authors, you know, put them in parentheses and says, you know, this so-and-so said this and adds to it. Uh, the same thing is done in music all the time. And it's more often done in, in, in film uh, if you really listen to it, the similarities. So I became very fascinated by it and it helped me to immerse myself even more. So what is all this about? You know, it's, it's really, I'm just sharing with you how a projected path of maybe what others thought of what society or what culture, or what education or what even family says that this is the best way for you might not be the best way if you really search deep into your heart, you know? And oftentimes we are more inclined to make a decision motivated by a, what I call a lack, you know, a fear, right? So if I do, if let's say I did, you know, right at the beginning, went for music. Well, now am I going to hold on or or attached to the fear that I'm not going to make any money. It's not going to be stable. I'm going to be suffering. I won't have a job. I won't I'll be starving all for the sake of pursuing my passion and my love. But let's even hold that. Who's to say for certain that I'll be starving or I won't have a home? You know, where, who says that? Let's really analyze and pick out those people who actually say that. And most of the time you'll find, well, of course, they're not musicians and they've only taken their belief around that based on some people they know. And you'll be surprised that a lot of people project their own fears on what you may choose in your own life. And by doing so, well, I know for myself, I've, I've very rarely took the advice of other people. You know, that's just, that's the rebel in me. But oftentimes we're inclined to believe, you know, people we respect, our authorities, our elders, or, you know, the conformed, bigger society, if you could call it. And, well, let's say, well, I did one of those things where I quit everything and I booked a one-way ticket to Berlin. Well, everybody, I, most people I talked to, actually everyone I talked to thought I was completely crazy. You know, oh my God, what are you going to do? Well, but let's keep in mind, it's their opinion, or it's their fear, right? They're not me. They're not going there. I'm going there. So what are they really afraid of, Right. It's amazing how the unconscious really will attach yourself to somebody else and you don't even know it. 
And throughout this journey, I was talking a little bit deeper on why we think the way we do or why we feel the way we do. And open up to a whole new dimension of my, well, one of my other five, six lives in, in this lifetime, you know, studying the human mind, studying the human emotion and sharing some of these experiences, working with so many people and helping them understand why they're stuck or where they want to go, especially me. So to sort of tail on and, and close off for today, you know, there is a difference between what you think is secure and do you really want to sacrifice your true passion, your love, you know, just for the sake of someone else's belief or others' belief or what others sort of define for you is the road to success or happiness or security? No, perhaps for them, that's where they walked. And where they are now, they're very happy and they're content. Well, great. No, they're happy. They're content. Well, in my case, I was miserable. You know, I was not happy at all. And I don't know how I actually graduated. Like, if you looked at how I was behaving in my university as an engineer, you'd be like, there's no way. I look back with my my friend who might be listening, my other friend, Vincent, also the same name. We're big buddies here. We oftentimes, and he's the only person I really keep in touch with now, we joke all the time. It's like, how do we get through this? How do we, I could say, I, I could count on two hands. That's the number of classes I actually went to in a total of five years. That's how disinterested I was with this career, you know, this, like everything was from the professors to the coursework to the labs, nothing interested me. I'm not saying that engineering is a thing you should avoid. Absolutely not. It just wasn't for me, even though I had the aptitude or the skills or the mental memory to process, but you know, yeah, I could do a lot of things. You know, I could type 60,000 pages of data all day, really fast, faster than anybody else. But is that what I really want? Isn't that gives me joy. So it's completely amazing. And, but I would say without going through that, I would not really understand what I truly valued. And now I can make a choice. You know what? And I can help others. You know, you do not have to go to a set career just so that you be secure. Throughout these episodes, I will show you, I will share with you how I'm able to create the life of my dreams doing something I love, doing multiple things I love that most people would say you would be starving. You know, you won't make it fuck. You would be broke. Hey, let's face it. I was, but I've did a lot of studying and a lot of research and a lot of application 
of me going through these zero states. And as a result of fully acknowledging this zero state of what I believe or what others believe and going to a blank state, now I'm able to take on more of what I was missing or what I was dismissing and then enter into a path of how can I really enjoy and thrive and share, you know, this love for myself and for others. I'm just thrilled right now as, you know, to say that I love what I do, right? And I, if I were to go back, I, I mean, I would offer that guidance to say, you can do that then. Who knows? It might have saved me, you know, 15 years, but I might not have learned the actual life experience of working in a real intense corporate environment, solving problems and feeling disconnected and also having the experience of being laid off. You know, what it is to experience loss. And oftentimes, you know, we have we have a, a saying in, in, the, in the therapy space that you cannot help someone past the point of where you can go or where you have gone in terms of psychologically and emotionally. And, you know, if, if I've never can talk or be vulnerable or share my loss in this whole career that I thought was my dream career, so to speak, you know, I cannot relate to someone who has also gone through that. And from that, well, until the next episode, well, I'll tell you what happened as a result of that complete rock bottom, you know, in my first career, you could call it. And I'm so happy that you're listening. And I just want to give a shout out to all of you who, who, who know what I'm talking about or, or can appreciate that maybe you have gone through a path and you have went through some losses, but also you have some passions, you have some love of what you enjoy. And that if you're thinking about it, Perhaps now is the time to bring some of that back in, you know, balance your life a little. Or, hey, maybe it's time now, and now is the more best time than any to make a jump. Everything is so new. The entire world has been completely reset, you could call it. And, you know, everybody's on the same level. Everything's new. We have to adapt and then do things in a new way and new new technologies are coming up, new ways of relating to people. Now, if you know COVID didn't happen, I would not be doing this. I would not be here doing a podcast because I would probably still be, you know, just chugging along with whatever I was doing, you know, seeing clients face to face and you know, for the first time as a result, you know, I've you know, I talk to people in, and help people in across the world, in Australia, you know, in Scotland, you know, in Japan, like all over the world, because, well, we were forced to, but also doing it. Now we can do it. And it's as effective as any. And everything has changed. Look, here, people are are, are thinking about not even having an office anymore. Like that's 
ups, like completely ridiculous to think back two years ago. If somebody said that, you're never going to need to an office, really. Everyone would think you're completely gone off the rails. But that's where we're at. And yet we're thriving and more new things are coming in. So I encourage you, maybe this is your time to think about, this is something I've always wanted to do and I wanted to make a life out of it. So yes, you can do it. And I've done it. And I'm just starting out. So like, subscribe, you know, send me a message, leave a review, whatever you like to do. I'm happy to serve. And I'm so grateful that I can be in the space to share. Thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. We'll talk about my next zero state. And when I go from ending that zero in my career as an engineer to flying across the world one way to Germany to pursue what I really love. Until then, be well and enjoy yourselves. You've begun this incredible journey to infinite mastery. To reach infinity, you must first get to zero. Be open to learn so that you can become a master in whatever you desire. Infinity is possible when you master and leverage time to your advantage. Subscribe to the Zero to Infinity podcast with maestro Vincent Chang to gain ultimate control and realize higher potential. Visit my website at vincentchang.ca and healthesource.com to learn more about creating success and balance in your life so you can master anything. Thank you.